0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another delightful episode of the Jeff Macalino podcast. Please remember to follow, subscribe, and share me with all of your friends and all of your family. Today, I am joined by author Janet Gerardo. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Jeffrey. Thanks.
0: Thank you for for joining me. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. Um, I I mentioned in the in your very brief introduction that that you're an, an author. Uh, of two books that are currently uh, out on uh, Amazon Kindle audible um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about those what you're working on now and just writing in general um, i I know uh, well you, I know you know my story very well <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. i <laughs> i'm I'm not working on books but I'm Working on writing both comedy and uh, as far as jokes and for screenplays, so the writing process itself is always something digging in and seeing how people do it, uh, how it comes to them is is fascinating to me. Um, so your your first book was uh was it back in two thousand eight? That's correct. And that's inseparable, correct?
1: Actually. Um, New York, New Life was the first. But oh, was Inseparable was the second. But somehow it appeared that Inseparable was published first. Gotcha. I don't know why.
0: Gotcha. Now, are both of these, um, both of them, are mostly based in New York? Is that correct?
1: Oh yes, yes they are. I am a New Yorker through and through.
0: Yes, I, and it's funny, I read some of the reviews on your book, and a lot of them mention how authentic uh, it feels like they're in New York when they're reading the book. That's great. So that's, uh, uh, how long did you live in New York?
1: 11 years, almost to the day.
0: Now, were you... Born, and I guess I should You should go ahead And uh, many of the people listening Probably already know That uh, this is my aunt Janet um, well, And well, I, I will not call you just Janet At any point in this interview I realize So at some point You, I, may,
1: you may certainly do that, Jeffrey no, This I, is a professional phone call And it's, our, it's actually, you know Your podcast So please feel free You're an adult Uh, so I, I, but I'm I'm glad you mentioned that I am your aunt. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. so, so, so it won't seem odd that I know some things about you and you know some things about me, (laughs) right? But were you, um, were you born up in New York or were you born born in St. Pete?
1: I was born in Brooklyn, New York, in Brooklyn, moved to Lynbrook, which is the opposite of. Brooklyn um, and then as a young uh, I was under 10 years old when we moved down here as a family and then I went back to Manhattan to live and work uh, in my 40s gotcha, and that and it was the it was the best adult time of my life because I absolutely love New York especially Manhattan
0: yeah, and
1: I had a great job too because I
0: worked at the Village Voice. <clears throat> yeah, and what and what did you do there? I I I knew you worked there, and uh, I, I I remember I sent you my uh, I don't know if you remember this I sent you my flat Stanley back in third grade I think it was. <laughs> I do remember
1: that, <laughs> and I had so much fun it, doing it for you and sending it back.
0: Yeah, it's depressing. I still have that, by the way, in my in my in the room I'm in right now. Actually, I have it in one of my folders with old school stuff. Uh, it's depressing, and I say that because this year James did uh, flat Stanley for school, uh, uh, and well, couldn't really do much. <laughs> well,
1: New York is a little bit more exciting than St. Petersburg, Florida, Jeffrey. Uh, what can I say?
0: There, well, there's more going on, but I think even in New York, uh, six months ago, or actually it was more like, it might have been last year, uh, there wasn't a lot to do in any place. <laughs> oh, well,
1: that's true, because of COVID.
0: Yeah, we, of we took them to a park, we took them to, uh, to a restaurant. <laughs> So, uh, Flat Stanley had a pretty lazy, uh, lazy time down here.
1: Yeah. Did you take him to the beach? Because that's at least something really nice around
0: here. I think, I think we took him to the beach. I had a hard time remembering to take photos with him. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. We 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 did some creative, uh, creative things to try to help his flat stanley project this year <laughs> yeah those but, are fun yeah yeah and and memorable uh if if you send them someplace memorable at least <laughs> right so it yeah. just to touch on uh either one of of the two that are out new york new life or inseparable or both what just in kind of broad strokes what are uh, each of those books about
1: Okay, I often just say they're ghost stories, but to qualify it better, (laughs) these are not scary ghosts, they're not, um, you know, there are no gossamer wings or anything like that. Uh, They are ghost stories in that, well, let me give you just a little preview without giving too much away, in New York, New Life the main character moves away from Miami to New York after the death of her boyfriend. And when she gets an apartment in New York, there is a a wall of mirrors, a single mirror on a wall. And he has not stayed completely dead. And he appears to her and talks to her and, in fact, interacts physically with her. Mm. So it is a ghost, but not your traditional ghost.
0: Gotcha. So it's uh, it's more it's spiritual so. than
1: uh,
0: Casper, if that makes sense.
1: It's, it's not Casper, but it's not spiritual. It's actually quite physical, if you know what I mean.
0: Gotcha. Yes, I'm. I'm reading. It. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, your mother, my sister, would probably not say that or write anything like that. But as much as I adore your mother, we're not much alike.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's. Uh, I, I yeah. The the funny thing with my mother is I am. Uh, I am nothing like her, but she's also the person who I love and respect more than anyone in the world, so it's... <laughs> uh,
1: I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, it's its a great relationship.
0: Yeah, now do... You, so it's, it's funny, both of these are mainly based in New York. Um, I, and I say it's funny because every time I go to write a... Uh, Again, I, when I'm writing for movies or TV ideas, every time I've done it, it's been based in St. Petersburg because I know it. <laughs> so.
1: And any good teacher, writing teacher will tell you write what you know. And it's not just about finding your voice, which should, again, be authentic, mm-hmm. but write what you know. Because otherwise it'll sound stilted or false and unappealing.
0: Right. It would be foolish for someone like me to write anything based in New York because I've been there one time for a couple days. <laughs> um, I guess I spent almost a week in Buffalo, but that's not quite the same as as uh, Manhattan. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> the, I Not at all. I said Buffalo is a place you go into every bar and someone's going to offer you marijuana. Uh and everyone's oh, going to well be how drunk. Oh
1: going go I was living in New York. That's
0: really? <laughs> I I swear I remember going to five or six bars and every time a stranger came up and offered me weed. <laughs> That's
1: funny.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know. It's just something about the place, I guess. But I I enjoyed it, but it's definitely a different place. It's probably closer to St. Pete than to to, uh, Manhattan. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So to mention Inseparable now, um, Inseparable is a ghost story in that Inseparable is talking about twins. One of whom is murdered, mm. and through the aid of a psychic medium, um, the the twin who is left um, gets information for this psychic. It's a fun story. These, these are pure fiction, and yet, again, I'm writing what I know. Uh, as you know, my late boyfriend, you know, died here in Florida. And and I probably wouldn't have moved to New York except that my parents were gone and he was gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm writing what I know. And in inseparable, I'm not a twin, but I can understand twins and the very close, close relationship that they have. And while I think losing anybody you love, it must be so... So much more traumatic to lose a twin, uh, an identical twin, because they share share the same sack. Right. Born. So you know it's you know, I I am so close to my daughter, especially my siblings and and your nieces and nephews, um, that I I can, well, I'm an emotional person, so I'm I'm writing through the emotion. And um, the other thing that should be up within a few, well, maybe next month, is called Ghosts of Grand Central, which a friend of mine in New York and I collaborated on. And I had read that um, many people died in the building of Grand Central over 100 years ago. And I thought, hmm, if they died in there, maybe they're still there. And we both came up with individual stories and it was such a fun thing to write. And that, you were asking me about process, I just woke up with the idea one Sunday morning. Mm. And I decided to run with it. So that spontaneity leads to action which I think
0: is a very good thing. Right. And that, that, I think that's where a lot of ideas fall by the wayside would be, you maybe have them and don't take immediate action on it. And it just kind of fizzles away because I, it, I know I've had ideas for creative things in the past that I completely just said, ah, eh, I'm, I, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll get to it. And I don't even remember that they've just faded over time. Cause I never did anything. Uh, do, do it's funny one of my creative ideas it's not something i'm even working on now was a, actually just a dream uh, I don't know if I even told you this but i i
1: don't think so
0: i i slept uh, you and i both uh have trouble uh getting to sleep and i have uh, severe trouble staying asleep i
1: Yeah, we're both insomniacs, big time
0: Yeah, and so I don't sleep for more than three or four hours at a time Now sometimes I wake up, I roll over, 30 minutes later I'm able to get back to sleep But one night I randomly was able to sleep for eight hours And my dreams are very vivid So in four hours I can have a vivid, vivid dream In eight hours I dreamt six months of my life Uh, (laughs) Wow. I was abducted by aliens and a, a whole mess of things. But uh that was the first time I, I woke up and I'm like, I need to I need to write down some of this. It's a weird uh comic y sci fi type thing, which is not even my 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 cup of tea. Uh right. but that was the first time it's like this is something there's something here. This was a real fascinating experience and I you know and then since then I had another dream where I actually directed a movie uh and I woke up and I basically wrote the movie I directed out <laughs> in a screenplay um That's cool. It's it's so I I almost consider those lucky things but I, I think sometimes there's something about your brain when it's either just waking up or it's overtired that just sparks something maybe it's insanity <laughs> uh,
1: I, I agree because when you are awake when you know you are supposed to be sleeping it's frustrating as hell mm-hmm. and i think i mentioned to you and mm-hmm. we were both at your mother's the other day that i um I was awake for hours and hours. I was so frustrating and I thought, damn it, Janet, just write your thoughts. Make it like sort of a diary. In fact, I'm calling it um, an insomniac's diary and other observations of life. And so I didn't want to get up. I was in pain, didn't want to sit at my computer. And I just did a very long email into my phone, speaking it instead of typing, and, mm-hmm. and uh, then you know put it into Word and did the uh, the editing. And I've I've done four or five of those. Let's call them episodes. Fun stuff. Uh, some of it is fun. Some of it's angry. One of them is very angry, and because it's political, I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm very unapologetic in it Because when I say what I did And I say if anybody is offended by this Too bad yeah. um, And that's the way I feel sometimes I really do if, if it's something so obnoxious In the social aspect of our world um, I don't care if you're offended You know, or anybody Not just, I'm in mean the universal
0: rule Right, right no, you, um, so, you, you know um, I don't get offended at anything, so...
1: Uh, right, <laughs> you have, you have, uh, you don't have thin skin.
0: No, 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 and I, I, I like to dish it out to, to everyone, too, so... <laughs> yeah, I,
1: and you know my daughter is that way, I mean, Jennifer is just always, she's very funny, and she loves to, you know crack on people and she can take it just as well as give it mm-hmm. even with her students i mean she does it with her students and i think that's why she's so beloved among her students because they get her sense of humor and even her sarcasm that's is interesting for kids
0: yeah i'm glad to hear that because i I, uh, <laughs> I i think kids need it to an extent i know i go over the top sometimes uh, with uh, with with my own children, uh, but I think even in coaching, uh, you know, my son's sports, uh, coaching the flag mm-hmm. football teams and stuff, the kids seem to like me. And I always say I don't even like other kids. I don't even like my own kids sometimes, but I I love them of <laughs> course. But I don't like. You love them, but yeah. yeah, right, yeah. But I don't like other people's kids, but they do seem to have a some sort of you know draw towards me and I always think it's probably because I talk to them I don't curse in front of them often I'll sometimes (laughs) sometimes an effect of let's kick some ass to eight-year-olds will really startle them awake or or uh so I I am guilty of that on occasion but but I I mostly otherwise talk to them like adults uh and and I think it it seems to work I don't know if they feel like it's respectful to them that I don't talk down to them
1: (laughs) well the older generations would would feel that it is disrespect our Aunt Lucy uh, did not like the way Jennifer spoke to people at all and Mm -hmm. she let her know it of course (laughs) Uh, but humor is such a great tool and if you are working with children and make learning fun they are far better off Um, and I use that in writing too not in the more serious books like New York New Life and Inseparable there's not much humor every once in a while uh, there's a little joke between the main character and some of her female friends Um, but it's there has to be some levity at times, even in the most intense situations. And kids need it too. They need the seriousness. They need the discipline, which is every bit as much uh, as love, as, you know, when you're raising your children, it's just as important. Um, but I, I am a little off topic. So. Um,
0: no, that's. <laughs> it's. There's yes, a. Yes,
1: I, I, I do. I do. You know, kind of go off on tangents at
0: times. Yes, I. I maybe I'll, I'll blame you for that, but I. <laughs> oh, there you go. Maybe that's where fun. he got it from. I'm <laughs> no, it's funny. There's a fine line between a lot of times between tension and drama and comedy. I've heard people talk about a, a couple of the greatest television shows of all time and describe them as dark comedy, like uh, uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> and The Sopranos. Right. A lot of people will say, oh, that's that's a dark comedy. Yeah, it's dramatic, but there's a lot of funny in there. Uh, Absolutely. It's it's interesting. There's kind of a fine line, and that's, that. Uh, I think I've even mentioned, that's why I even got into doing this podcast and trying some stand-up, is because I was writing dark comedies that were not... They were dark, but they weren't very funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well,
1: that's hard to make. It, it's really hard to make dark funny. It really is. So if you can do it at all, that's pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, well, and it, it's what makes it... makes it. Uh, it's it's a fine line, because if you take out the, the jokes, you've just got a depressing... Which still has a market. I mean, you know, honestly, it's, there's still a market oh, for sure. that, but... Uh, It's not necessarily the one I want to get into. I prefer people laugh.
1: (laughs) I don't think there's anything more satisfying than hearing people laugh at what you have to say or what you have read, what they have read. Um, It's it's a very satisfying uh, aspect of any creative endeavor. Yes. In my opinion.
0: No, I would, I would agree. The The only thing, and I I don't think I'll ever get to this point, the only thing I think would be better is for someone to be so moved that they cry, like if I made a movie. <laughs> Making someone cry would be...
1: <laughs> oh, there's certainly a place for that. Uh, absolutely. And I do like drama. In fact, up until a few years ago, mostly because of my daughter's influence, um, I watched far more drama than comedy. But once she introduced me to Shit's Creek, I, it's all—it's mm. all over for drama right now. I just want to watch Shit's Sch- Creek every day.
0: I was—I um, was so hesitant to watch that because I—I I, I thought it had to have been overhyped, and I—I uh, well, I don't think it was. I think it was brilliant.
1: <laughs> I do too, and and. The first season, I didn't like it all, and Jennifer said, you've got to give it another chance, and I'm, sh- I'm really glad she did. because, And we tend to watch at least a couple of episodes at night to uh, unwind and laugh. Because, you know, you have a stressful day. You do not want to watch drama or the news.
0: They did a such a good job, and this is why I think I was the same way as you, where it was kind of rough in the beginning because the characters were so far out.
1: Oh, they're obnoxious, but selfish, rich
0: people. They, they kept them so much... They developed the character so well that you kind of... Uh, Catherine O'Hara's voice drove me insane in the beginning. And yeah. <laughs> then it's like, okay, this is just who she is. shes I assume she's just a boozy narcissist. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that ever the truth?
1: But how she affects those... Not, I won't even call them accents because they're not accents they're just ways of speaking and uh, I, I love to imitate her there's something where she talks about a place in Spain and she goes in Pamplona, <laughs> and I just crack up yeah almost everything she says and I hate her in the beginning because she is so self-absorbed she is a narcissist yes but um not a malignant narcissist like somebody we
0: were talking about before we started the recording. <laughs> nar- nar- narcissism, uh, there's a, uh, it, it, there, uh, that's another thing that's funny. Uh, uh, spiraling off topic, but, uh, I, I was, I was talking about this last night with my friends. There's a fine line where, uh, like I need to become more of one to, to, uh, Promote myself. I I'm not good at, at doing that. I, but there's a fine line between uh, self-esteem maybe and narcissism. Exactly. That's that's hard to to dial in because we were talking about other people who were uh, considering running. This is local politics, but other people who were considering running for certain things, and it's like I. I don't like this person because I know that they're just out for themselves. They don't care about the city. They don't care about this. Uh, but at the same time, someone who isn't willing to say, I am the best, they are well, obviously, they're never going to win an election. <laughs> so it's a tough, tough balance to try to find where the right uh, right amount of, of self-confidence and uh, bragging about yourself uh, comes comes in handy I agree
1: but I tell you what Jeffrey I think you do have to like yourself and promote yourself well without saying I'm the best Mm -hmm. um and without well I'll use um another podcast without mentioning his name he must have and I've seen it on tv and other interviews heard it on other interviews it's like They won't give anything away. You must read my book. It's just great. I'm not doing any of that. That's bullshit. (laughs) Um, But I do need to promote myself. And I do it in a way that is not going to appear narcissistic. Because that's not who I am.
0: No. No. I'm
1: selfish enough. You have to be selfish in the sense that your self-love is sufficient to sustain you and it it doesn't
0: have to go toward narcissism right and and that's uh that's the uh and and you you've experienced this since you've had books out uh for for a while now uh that's the the same way with me telling people listen to this podcast it's like uh, well Oh, I don't know if you'll enjoy it Just
1: <laughs> well no uh, you, you can say I had such fun on this podcast with XYZ that's promoting it and you don't have to say hey I'm the best at podcasting you'll never hear another podcast like mine <laughs> you know what I mean uh, and I'd like to see you promote yourself more because I think you do a really good job I've enjoyed the ones when we're off of this podcast, I need to ask you how I can listen to all of them because I can't find a way to do that. Like on YouTube, if you put in a, a song or three, they'll come up with, and you just go right down the line. Like say I put in Barbara Streisand. I'm going to get a bunch of her hits and I go right down the line. And I can't find a way to do that on uh, where I get podcasts.
0: Gotcha. I can, yeah. I can give you some tips, and I know. I and I and shamelessly, I'll, I'll plug this. I know that people who are uh, listen through Apple Podcasts, which is a large amount of my audience. Uh, I've, I don't know why, but the show page is not uh, searchable at the moment. So uh, I'm not sure if I got blacklisted. I'm pretty sure that's not the case <laughs> but uh, uh just an FYI to people who listen on Apple um if they if they follow me on Twitter or the Facebook page they the I'll put the Apple links and they are able to listen to each episode but I don't think it shows you the whole catalog anymore so just a just a side note <laughs> on that yeah yeah
1: well I, I mean I do want to know and uh It's It will benefit others who might be I mean, I'm very new to podcasts Very new I really Truthfully, until your mom told me You were doing them I had never listened
0: to one You know, I I am also very Relatively very new to podcasts I only started listening to podcasts When I started a new I was starting a new job with a new company And my first day, this was last March My first day I show up to the office in Tampa, there's one guy there to let me in, give me a laptop and say, hey, have a good time, here's your desk. (laughs) And my boss called me and said, hey, take everything on your desk home with you. (laughs) And I was at home by myself working and the silence just, I was used to an office and the silence just, I couldn't stand it. So I tried music and it, it wasn't doing it for me. So that's when. So I'm only about, what, 15 months, even less than that, into listening to podcasts myself. So I'm. I-
1: Jeff Macalino is a cool dad, but he's still old and not hip, which he shows by telling me to use the word hip. No one uses it anymore. Anyway, here's a segment where my dad has to go to Urban Dictionary to look up something that confused him on social media. What got you confused this week, Dad?
0: Well, thanks, Bella. I'm not old. I don't particularly... Care to be called old, but then again, I've done it to uh, other people my whole life. So I've got I've got two today. Uh, one, these always make me feel stupid. These are abbreviations like uh, uh, like LOL, WTF. Obviously, everyone knows what those mean. But there's a few of them that I just can't. Usually, context. I can figure it out there's a, a couple that have been bothering me one for quite a while that I think I know or I thought I knew what it was but it doesn't always make sense <laughs> and the other ones one I've seen a lot more recently that I just can't uh, I don't know just can't can't uh, figure it out on my own so to urban dictionary we go first one is FTW. Um, so while that's pulling up, I always thought that was for the win, but let's see, because sometimes it's, it doesn't make sense in, in context. All right, FTW is an abbreviation used for many different meanings within different groups of people. Number one, online gamers for the win. There we go. That's me. Number two, bikers, old jailbirds, fuck the world, <laughs> or forever two wheels. Number three, Texters, Online Kids, fuck the what? Which is what the fuck? Well, well, that's creative. Uh, Number four, Nazis, white supremacists, forever truly white. Jesus Christ. All right, I don't think that's ever been the context that I've seen it in. Uh, Number five, Animal Activists, free the whales. Number six, Stoners, Potheads, free the weed. And number seven, East Coast Eastsiders. Fuck the West, West Side, West Coast. And just randomly, uh, boy. All right, so this top definition here for FTW ends with FTW can pretty much mean anything. Can pretty much mean. Oh, boy, I can't read. FTW can pretty much mean almost anything depending on the person. Let me just scroll down and look at some of the other ones for the win this one just says for the win this one says for the win this one says it originated as a biker term in two contexts forever two wheels and fuck the world Um, from a hell's angel working security at a Grateful Dead concert when stupidly asked about the meaning of his FTW tattoo said forever two wheels has since been appropriated and attributed to everything from Hollywood Squares for the win to Greenpeace, Free the Whales, etc., etc. This one also fucked the world for the win. What the fuck backwards? Free the Whales. So, that sounds like one that I probably will just randomly use because it can mean anything in the world. Or maybe I will never use it just because the top definition says Nazis can use it too. So, that's that's something, uh, the, <laughs> the other one, I can't, I don't even have a guess, it's N G L N like Nancy, GL, I can't, a couple times I thought like the GL were good luck, but I, I, I just can't figure, can't figure it, oh, and it pulled up, and now I feel like an idiot, NGL, not gonna lie indicating you are admitting something that may be considered strange. Could be deemed the equivalent of saying just saying or no offense in the sense that it makes your statement more valid, less offensive. Oh, I feel kind of stupid for having been confused by that one. But hey, as my daughter says, I'm not hip. And I told her to use the word hip, and she said, Daddy, no one uses that word. <sighs> All right, well... FTW, fuck the world <laughs> for the win. Um, so uh, let's jump back. I, I, we, I want to talk a little more about Ghosts of Grand Central. Um, so you said you. So is it uh, like short stories or, I know yes gotcha
1: yeah it's a bunch of short stories of uh, totally made up you know uh, people who worked on building or just worked in Grand Central and some uh, more current ones that they just died in Grand Central and there they stayed um, it's it's, mm. it's a fun it's a fun read in that because it's like, the person I I bring out personalities of each when they were alive and how they are those same personalities in death, uh, although one makes a big change. But it's it, it's just a psychological study in a sense, if you will. Um, and it was so much fun writing it.
0: Yeah, that's a f- and, that's a fascinating idea, and that's coming from someone who's you know I'm not necessarily into that genre, but it's it's a fascinating concept to, to do it that way.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is, and I don't know how it came to me. It was a Sunday morning. I just finished reading the New York Times, and I said, ooh, that would be so much fun to talk about ghosts in Grand Central, because Grand Central is really a hub. Uh, Penn, Penn Station is, too. In that you can go outside of the city or outside of the state. But as far as inside of New York and the boroughs, um, you catch the subway there and there's so much there. So much. It's the, the grand room in Grand Central is the largest room in the world. Hmm. Um, as a room. The famous clock that's in the middle is seen in so many movies and TV shows. It's just special. There's just, and of course during the day and into the, you know, late evening, it is populated by millions of people. Right. In and out. You know, it's it's really a cool place.
0: Did so, I don't know if you know the answer to this? When they shoot those, I think everyone knows what it looks like from movies. Uh, Uh Do they have to shut it down when they do that? Or do they figure out a way to... to, I I don't know if you know the answer to that. It's just a weird thought I have. I
1: actually do. No, I actually do know that because I also know when they shoot movies or TV shows, because I often ran into them. Mm. um, On the outside, on streets, they will close down portions of streets for sure. In Grand Central... What they generally do, because they cannot interfere with the, the travel, is they do extremely great lighting and no people or a few people. Then when they want to show the throngs of people, they do it as people are walking through, catching trains and running for their train because they're running late. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. And that's interesting too, because again, you're observing, uh, human frailties, human, uh, idiosyncrasies, you know, stuff like that. You you notice how people walk and how they run and, uh, climb up the stairs. There are a lot of staircases in Grand Central and they're grand. Everything about Grand Central is grand. Uh, and they have a fish market, a meat market, um, on the, the street level, they have just some amazing things you can buy that you cannot buy in So it's a fun place to be, and that's why my ghosts still live there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, this is a, and I don't even know if you've seen the movie, but um, this, I, I, this had to have been shot at Grand Central, was uh, uh, the end of Carlito's Way. I don't know if you're familiar with it's a Pacino movie.
1: I, I did see that movie, but I, I can't say that I remember it. I, I remember the name and I remember Al Pacino being in it because I'm a huge fan. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are two of my absolute faves.
0: Yes. Yes, me. Yeah, me as well. Great actors. <laughs> you know what's funny? That movie, I think the first time I watched it, I may have been a little intoxicated because I watched it through A second time, and the only time I realized I have seen this movie for sure was, and I'm 99% sure that the ending, the last action sequence, was filmed at uh, Grand Central Station. And uh, I I need to, now I need to go back and watch the movie (laughs) because it's been a while. But that last. That's a cool thing to do. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll. I'll Google that to see if I'm right, but I, I can't imagine that was shot anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I just I just can't remember. It's been a long time, and I tend to remember the actors who I really love, and I did see Al Pacino in person uh, at the theater after after a production on Broadway, and he's such a cool person. He's a little person. He's really little. <laughs> he's very slight and short, and I... And he acts like he's a big man in all his movies, you know? I mean, he's yeah devastatingly bad in some movies, et cetera. And, you know, you see his statue and you think, I can't be this height.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you, it's funny. You um, And you've probably seen, oh, goodness, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, it won the Oscar uh, Green Book. Oh, I loved that movie. And and uh, you know, uh, well, I'm sure you know the, the guy who made that movie, uh, uh, Nick uh, Valonga. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I saw him at his nephew's wedding. Uh, and he's about my size. I think he's a little heavier than me. But he's uh-huh. about my size. And I said to him, because he does some acting too, and I said... I've been told, I just want to check for sure, in movies, I would be like a gigantic human being because all the actors, a lot of them are really small people. And he's like, yes, yeah. He said, my IMDb credits, most of them are giant bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that, yeah that, that happens a lot. And in fact, sometimes they have to put platform shoes on or put a platform like in a standing kiss. You know, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino would both have to be. Can you see them with, um, Shaleed, what's her name? Theron. Um, she's so tall. Um, another tall. um, what's her name? Who's was married to Tom Cruise. Oh, it's Nicole Kidman is very tall. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, she's six feet. So they have to put,
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> you know, a little riser on the floor. Um, is is noise? Are you hearing noise, Jeffrey?
0: Uh, not at the moment. No
1: background noise. Okay. It always started pouring rain, and I'm outside smoking, but I don't want that to um, make any negative difference on your podcast.
0: No, no, no. I, 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 heard the dog a bit earlier, but no, not, yeah, not loudly. Sorry about that. No, no, no. that um, uh, uh, it probably heard my voice because anytime time I step foot in, in the house, uh, it, it won't stop barking at me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's like
1: that. It, it's usually small dogs. They have, you know, they have this thing. But um, yeah, I just don't want to ruin it. I did want to jump back to something, yeah. only because um, I, I'd like for your audience to know that I've been writing since high school. And I had high school teacher and a college professor tell me that whatever I decide to do in life, I better write. I was mm. a writer. And nothing thrilled me more. So I always did write. I've written probably a couple of thousand poems, but um, I wanted to mention this in that so many people are writers, but because they don't know somebody, they're not big names or whatever, they can't get published in, in the, you know through Random House or the big houses, the big publishing houses, and. What they used to call it was vanity publishing. They now they don't call it that anymore. They call it self publishing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but did you know, you have to be approached.
0: So when you so if you go to publish through Amazon, they they what do they they review the book or they do. Oh, okay. And
1: so it's not its not just a bunch of crap that ends up. There's some. There is some crap, but um, some people like it. So, you know, it's going to happen if they think it's marketable. But um, they do want literary writing, too. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to get that out there. And some people would feel... Oh, well, I couldn't get a publisher to do it. I tried publishers and I never got a form letter back. I always got personal letters back, complimenting my writing, but they weren't using the type of thing I write. And, it, and I understand that because it's very specific. Right. So uh, I, I wanted to mention that. So that if there are people listening who write and want to be published, don't feel bad about it. Go to Amazon. Amazon will lead you to Kindle and Kindle will lead you to audible. If you want to, you can narrate your own book or you can have someone else do it. In my case, I had my friend in New York do it for me on both books. And so I just wanted to touch on that as far as a frame of reference for writers who really want to be published but don't know how to be or can't find a publisher
0: and how 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 easy or difficult and how long is that process if you you're just starting to go through Amazon uh, obviously the getting to the the audible end of things is is a probably longer process but how how is it in you know you finish your your book and everything looks good and all that how how much of a process is it dealing with amazon and getting that all done
1: it's not a bad process actually and um they'll help you along and again my friend did my uh covers my book covers for me because he's an artist I did one um, for the, the physical book of uh, Inseparable. But the, I was being a little vain, I have to admit, because I had a painting of a, a woman. And what we did was we had the top in the right position and the bottom turned upside down. And that was for Inseparable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we changed that for the audible but okay so it's not difficult once your manuscript is finished and you've edited very well Mm -hmm. Um, then you submit it to them I can't remember now it's been a while cannot remember how long they keep it before they tell you it's accepted but it's not a very long time it might be a matter of days or a little over a week something like that oh okay right and then if you want it to go to kindle which before i had such a vision problem um i used to read everything on kindle instead of book form you don't have to mess up your house with books <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and because it's backlit it's easier to read and then like I said, if you want it audible, because a lot of people, you know, we don't see it much here in St. Petersburg, but in other large cities, commutes are arduous. Yes, And some people even take trains. We had people working at the Village Voice who lived in, um, a lot of them lived in New Jersey, and a couple of them lived in Pennsylvania. So they took the train in, and. They can stick their earbuds in and listen to a book, so it's really cool. And I have actually have had way more sales since it's on Audible than before.
0: Interesting. So it really, yeah. it really is worth going that extra step and getting it recorded and everything.
1: I feel it is. I really do, and um, it's it's kind of satisfying. Uh, I wish I could have narrated my own, but I, I know I couldn't do it well. And Guy is very professional about it. Um, that, but it is, it, it, it's satisfying. Now I have books by famous women who have narrated themselves. That is more satisfying. It's their story. Mm-hmm. But this is fiction. I write fiction, not. Reality, so it it's not it's it's not off because somebody else. uh, My friend who narrates has narrated like two hundred and eighty five books in the last couple of years. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: that's I'm fascinated by that even because uh, for a brief time Joseph had talked about uh, me doing the voice for his book and just reading those, that many words out loud is, I, I just read a chapter and I'm like, I am exhausted.
1: (laughs) Right. And I love his book and it's not the kind of genre I lean toward either, but I think he's a good writer, but I could never, I couldn't even read it out loud, no, no less narrate it.
0: No, no, it's, and I was, I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't finish his book, not because the writing wasn't great, but because it's it's definitely not the genre that I... I was confused. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was a bit confusing, and it, it is the genre. It's not his uh, writing ability. Well, I... Because he's very creative.
0: This will, this will tell you, and it's funny, because Joseph and I had worked quite a bit on a uh, other project that hasn't gotten off the ground, but... He and I think this is this is kind of interesting to and to to see what you think uh, and how you how you view this. I told him basically when I read a book or think creatively, the only way I see it, uh, reading a book for example, is I literally see the characters in my head and it has to play out like a movie. And right. if I can't draw these characters in my mind, I can't read the book. So. so you know, I'll go through one of my friend's books. Uh, I I quickly pictured uh, one one character in this book as as Chris Evans, the guy who plays Captain America. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure why, but that the whole time I read the book, I saw him doing the things that were being described, and I vision my envision myself as another character. I always envision myself as a character, often not the character that I, that is one that I'd want to be. Um, But it gives me, that's the way I see it. And when Joseph and I were working on trying to write stories, it's funny that we both saw things. I would give what I saw visually like a cinematic view of something, and he would come at it from a different perspective. And together it actually worked pretty well, I think. Um, not that anyone's seen it or could, could judge it, but it, when you're writing, do you kind of just see it in your head like a movie, or is that just a weird thing I do?
1: <laughs> no, it's not weird at all, Jeffrey. The other thing a good writing teacher will tell you is show, not tell. Mm. You want to flesh out your characters so much that your reader can envision them. Now, they may envision them differently than you as the writer. Sure. Um, and it's not just describing the redheaded woman who is the uh, medium in, in my book. It is uh, describing in the not technical way you would describe something. But the, the feeling of the person, the, the, the looks, yes, because I think that's important. Even, even clothing, just like in movies and in TV shows, mm-hmm. um, wardrobe is very important. Some actors and actresses cannot get into character until ha- they have that wardrobe that is meant for that character. So right. you want to show, not tell. So you want your reader to be able to see these people in their mind's eye and, and see it like a
0: movie. That's It's interesting is that, and this is why I don't think I could ever write a book, even though I consider myself creative, and maybe it's a laziness thing because I, I, I don't think it's a intelligence or vocabulary thing, <laughs> but uh, I can... And that's, again, where where kind of the difference was with me and Joseph is I I would say, like, well, this, I view this scene from an overhead view looking down and he's wearing this. But putting that into words for me is not, uh, not something, it doesn't click. Whereas he could, he can put it in words, but not necessarily think of, well, we should film this from overhead. (laughs) Um, Uh Uh-huh. So it's just kind of interesting, I but everyone's brain is so unique. Uh, I guess that's the right. the fascinating part. But that's, I think, the main obstacle, because a lot of people have been like, well, you, you talk about writing movies, you could just write the book and then make it into a movie, and I'm like, I don't think I could write the book.
1: Yeah, but if you can write a screenplay, I think that's harder. Um, you could write a book. Uh, it's a matter of confidence, I think, or... In my case, I don't know that it was confidence as much as it was that I came up with ideas and I just had to put them down. I had to write them. I had a feeling toward these characters. And honestly, and this might sound weird, but it is so true, Jeffrey. My characters became a part of me. I love Mm -hmm. my characters that I've created and I, yes, I created them initially, but they sort of take on a life of their own and tell me where to go with their story. And that is a very cool experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the... I think that's the key to any great art of of any kind, whether it be... I mean, we mentioned Breaking Bad earlier. The reason that show was great is every single character on there... Had their own arc and their own personality, and and they developed uh,
1: very well developed, yes.
0: And that that's the uh, I, I think that's to me that's the key to everything. The and I maybe you'd agree with me on this is the that, and that's why writing a scenery, uh, you writing about things taking place in New York, or me writing about things taking place in St. Petersburg. Uh, that's good. You can draw out the background and the details and everything, but the characters are everything about the story itself. So you set it in a place you know, and then you create characters that can grow and and be real people, even though they're not. That's
1: right, because they do come to life. And the truth is, you could right from your knowledge of St. Petersburg but call it something else and put it in the Midwest somewhere or sure. a smaller town in California for instance or wherever and make it believable so long as you are true to what you know in St. Petersburg
0: right that's the uh, that's the and and not being afraid to uh, that's something I, I think a lot of people have, have said things to the effect of, well, it's got to be a fictional town, so you got to make one up. Well, that seems like overdoing it <laughs> to me. No, it
1: doesn't have to be fictional. Right. There, there, there's no reason to make up a, uh, a place if you don't have to. Uh, I, I mean, nobody can make up a place like New York. <laughs> New York is so unique. And St. Petersburg has its uniqueness, too. So, no, I, I'm not saying you have to create a fictional town I'm saying it's available. If you don't want to use Saint Petersburg, maybe you don't want anybody to see what you're seeing in Saint Petersburg. <laughs> you rather than think it's some fictional place.
0: Right, um, right. Depending on yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I I I really like Southern writers which is sort of strange since I'm such a northerner and a big city person but Pat Conroy is one of my favorite um, contemporary writers he's just amazing and it all takes place in the low country in South Carolina and I feel like I've been there and I have Mm. not physically been there he's that good a writer and it is real he grew up there
0: So talking about writing, what he knows, he does. Right. That's the. uh, That's that's and that's no matter what you're writing, be it, you know, we've we've briefly talked about, you know, between even stand up, which I think is the an underappreciated form of writing. I
1: agree.
0: You you got to be. Every every advice I've received on the matter, I, I shouldn't talk like I'm an expert. But it's you've gotta be authentic and talk about what you know, and don't don't try to bullshit the audience by making up stories because they'll be able to tell it's not real.
1: That's right. You can you can call it fiction, but you have to make it feel real, and people will notice if it's bullshit. Yeah, that nobody wants to listen to bullshit.
0: Right, right. They, they get enough of that from uh, political leaders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no specific names to be mentioned. No, but. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Aunt Janet, is there... Um, do, do you have any place, uh, you know, as far as... Uh, uh, where people, obviously, Amazon, Kindle, and Audible, and the books are Inseparable, and New York, New Life, and then Ghost of Grand Central is coming soon, correct?
1: It will be, yes. Hopefully next month, maybe maybe the next, because I haven't put it in the right form um, to send it to Amazon yet. And it has to be very specific uh, type and size, Mm. And uh, I mean that's not a bad thing. It's just that I haven't gotten around to doing it. And uh, then it will go to Kindle. That's that's very easy. They so just put it in Kindle, and then the only thing that you have to do if you want it to be narrated is go to what they call ACX and find a person who you want to narrate and you can listen to how they narrate. You can listen to other books or passages from it to know, Oh, I like this person's style. I'm going to choose them. And then you also have, uh, options. For instance, most, uh, I shouldn't say most. I'm not sure the percentage. Some people will take, um, not, they won't take money up front. They will take the royalties on the sales. Mm. And and that's fine. Others maybe need money more immediately. They will charge. Um, but those are the only two options. And you, you do want to do some research. You want to make sure that whoever narrates does it well. Um, but it's not difficult it's really
0: not difficult interesting well that, that's the beauty of the internet is that it's opened up for creatives to obviously there are advantages that other people have even with you know everyone being able to access this information but right uh, at least there's a way you know even if it doesn't get the audience or the sales there's a way to at least get your stuff out there and uh that's that's uh a nice advantage over even what 20 30 years ago where i you know you could put your book on uh on the internet and nobody would be able to access it right uh, or finding people who can do things like do the the voice you know the narration and stuff like that exactly so it's it's uh uh, that's the good side of technology.
1: <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about the downside because then I'll use foul language.
0: Yeah, and no, me, me too. I'm I,
1: opposed <laughs> to that, but you know, I'm thinking of your mother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Abe, uh, before we uh, end the episode, is there anything else you wanted to add? Or
1: I would like to add that I am very grateful that you allowed me this time, Jeffrey. To oh. not only chat the way we have, but to hopefully uh, have other people understand if they're writers do it. Just do it.
0: Absolutely. That's I I, I echo the sentiment of just don't uh, don't think you can't do it, just just put it do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I am very appreciative of you coming on my little podcast and uh, we will uh, uh, don't don't hang up so we can stay on the line. But uh, thanks again. Okay. Sounds good.